Fifteen. Fifteen. We're recording this on the winter break. Right. So it's kind of difficult to record things. <laughs> Everybody be quiet. Yeah. And the kids are home. So it's it seems it seems different. Yeah. The energy in the house is different with people in it. Yeah. There's that. But then then there's the energy in general. Things are different than they used to be. Yeah. I mean, last time we were, last time we recorded it, we were talking about the triggers and how we yeah. couldn't, we couldn't get past the triggers. And then this time we're recording, it's, it seems everything is. Muted? Yeah, muted maybe. But it's also holiday season, so part of you goes, well, how much of that is just the fact that it's a holidays and everything is calmer? Mm -hmm. But it seems like that trigger aspect never left. Like, if you want to be triggered, you can get triggered very quickly. Yeah, I, I see that. If you want to get triggered, or if you don't have enough awareness around something that would be triggering, yeah, it's super easy to fall into it. Yeah. So I think like that polarity between extreme calm and and super triggered is very active right now. Yeah. And, that, and, and we've been trying to like get a gauge and talk to other people to see how they feel and it seems to be not just us. Yeah, but also not necessarily everyone. Yeah, not necessarily everyone. So maybe spiritually aware people feel feel it in, in the like in the cognitive comprehensive way to where you can actually understand what's happening or at least get a gauge of what's different. Yeah. But if you're running blind, you know, just like busy, busy with life and, and things like that, things might be happening that are in fact part of this, what we're talking about, but nobody will be able to relate it to, to these generalized shifts. Yeah. I mean, I think it's been growing over the last few weeks, months, maybe, but, uh, I don't know. I, it, it feels like I can almost point to the 21st, which was the solstice, of course, as the uh, almost like inflection point where it's it it switched really, really hard right then for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everything has become like mellow for me. Yeah. Very I, mellow. I, removed. I feel removed. I feel removed, I yes. I feel very removed from yeah, very removed. Like, everything. Yeah. I, I'm doing the same stuff, but... Uh, but it's not registering in the same way she's trying to come. We have a new addition to our family podcast. Yeah. Who we also happen to get on the 21st. Yeah. As it were. We found her on the side of the interstate in, on the interstate in Georgia. 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 So I think somewhere around like south of Atlanta, I think. And of course we're suckers for cats. Yeah. I mean, you can't just leave a kitten on the interstate. That's, you know. Yeah. I don't know how she hadn't died yet. By yeah. getting... Flattened by a semi. She, I mean, she's, this is, you know, what, a, a week later? Yeah, I don't know she's how. She's thickened up. I don't know too. how we didn't die get flattened by a semi on the interstate. We were, run, we were running on the side of the road. <laughs> Elliot was waving the semis off, like, go to the side. And she, I think she just decided to give up on life. She laid down in the middle. I, I was she trying to catch her and she just laid down in the middle of the road. Well, like, kind of to the eh, side of the road, like but where the wheel would be. Oh, yeah. And then decided that she was just going to lay. And so Elliot was just like waving everyone off to the side as we were running. I'm just driving along and I'm like, there's a kitty. 
you know, if it's a if it's a turtle or something, you know, we'll stop and move it off off you know a hundred feet off of the road or something. But what do you do with a kitten? You know, yeah. obviously you keep it. <laughs> what else could you do with a kitten other than keep it? Yeah, but realistically, everyone wanted. Everybody a wanted a new kitten. Everybody. I mean, Annabelle had been talking about a new kitten. She's been begging for a new kitten. Can, right. If getting a new kitten is on her Santa Christmas list, yeah. And we were not going to fulfill that wish. No, Santa, Santa was not going to bring a not, Um, I wanted a. We've I've had short-haired cats ever since I've had cats, and I wanted a, a long-haired cat. She's maybe medium hair. I don't know. I don't, wait, I she's don't the know longest. She's easily the longest-haired cat I've ever had. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's she was also an outdoor feral cat, so she's yeah. she's plush for the winter too. Very plush, and she's total trouble. The most trouble. Yeah. So we we rescued her on the 21st, which was winter solstice. Yeah. But you know, her energy is very... Have you turned into her energy yet? Oh my. Gosh. Um, it's very... It's, I, I know it's a, there's a kitten energy in there, but underneath is a very calm, centering energy. Thing. Thing is... Very troubling. Look at it. Look at it. Ooh, what is this? Oh, I thought it was a jump. Oh. No, let's leave it down. She just walks across my face like that's the normal thing to do. And bops <laughs> me in the eye. <laughs> she tries to sleep with us at night. This past was leave it down, so. But yeah, so we rescued her on the 21st. But it, we were driving home from from Disney. And we kind of like detoured our way around towards the beach area. And we were still had plans to do stuff mm-hmm. after the solstice. We were going to hit, go up to Savannah, spend some time there. No, we skipped Savannah by the time we, we started yeah, driving Yeah, we ended up there. skipping Savannah. Yeah, but I thought, okay, well, as we find things along the way, we'll yeah. just stop. And then it will take about two or three days to get home. Because oh I thought, okay, that was, thir- that was Thursday, right? And I thought, okay, we'll get home on Saturday. But no. Ouch. Maybe these need to be hidden. Um, yeah, so I think now I know they're in there, Daddy. I think whenever, whenever the spirit brings a cat into your world or an animal into your world, there's a sign there that you should keep it. Yep. <laughs> she knows they're in there. <laughs> I know where they are. You can't hide this from me. And the looks she gives you—they're yeah. just such a deep, deep, profound looks. So her name is Haley. Yeah. As in, or maybe Hallie, as in Hallie's Comet, which, fun fact, just, uh, what was the, the December 9th? December 9th, yeah. Is that it's uh, Apelion, which is the furthest point away from uh, the it, it's, its orbit around, from, around the sun, furthest point away from the sun. So in another, what is it, 37 years, 38, 36, 37 years? It'll be back at its closest point. Yeah. Yeah. It's trouble. It's Haley. It's Haley. I wonder if the comet is actually somehow troublesome. Troublesome comet. Get distracted again with we the cat. We got distracted. Yeah, it's a cat. We got to talk about the cat. The cat is precious. Yeah, so I mean, I wonder... 
I wonder if that shift, do you think that shift had anything to do with the fact that we found her or not? I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember how I felt the rest of that day. We found her towards the evening, like towards dinner time. But I don't even remember what we did earlier that day. I think we went to the beach, right? Didn't we go to the beach or not? Yeah, we went to Driftwood Beach and, and what is it? Beach was was weird. Well, you know, Driftwood Beaches are always weird. And then the day before, we went to San Augustine, which is totally haunted. Totally haunted. Oh, my gosh. I mean, they say Savannah's haunted and Charleston's haunted, but San Augustine is also very haunted. Right. And apparently, it's the oldest town in the United States. Right. Which I had no clue. What was it? 50? 55 years before the pilgrims? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, the pilgrims came over and, you know. It's like, yeah, but... The Spanish half half a century after the Spanish settlement down there, I didn't I didn't learn it like that. I didn't learn well. I guess yeah. Whatever I did study of United States history, Pilgrim was I guess in the United States. Everybody talks about Pilgrims as the first settlement, mm-hmm. and that may, but it could be because it's the Spanish settlement and no one wants to give credit to the Spanish. I don't know. And I think what was the story? It was Columbus's second ship. Yeah, Ponce de Leon was on the second ship, and they and were looking for Bemini, 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 in which is in the Caribbean. Yeah, which is the sunken city, right? Right. There's the Bemini Road, those um, underground, um, massive stones that are that are laid out in a way that doesn't look like a natural formation at all. Yeah, but th- that some it's rumored that that is portions of the Atlantis, right? That road was part of the old Atlantis city. Well, Atlantis, um, I guess, continent kind of, sort of, more so than the city. Um, and then some maps put it right there where the Caribbean is, and then all the way up into the Atlantic, right? As far as the positioning of Atlantis. Yeah. And so I guess they were looking for Bemini there. Yeah. Which, you know, not a story I heard either. Right. Also, uh, Columbus himself never set foot on continental United States. Did not know that. Did not that. know that. Did not know that either. So I don't know if, if Ponce de Leon himself did, but it was his uh, lieutenant. I don't remember his name. Name in the show notes. Um, who uh, who founded St. Augustine. Yeah. In 15 something? 1565 or 1555? No, it's not three fives, but it was like 1550, 65. Yeah, it was a long time ago. And then, you know, it was Spanish and then it was British and then it was Spanish. And the French was... tried it too, right? Didn't the French I, yeah, try to well, take it? Yeah, well, the French tried to take, take well, the, the Spanish marched against the French at the exact same time that the French sailed in, to, to take St. Augustine, but there was a hurricane or whatever and it blew the French 70 miles off off course and they crashed and uh so uh i don't know if it was ponce again or if it was the other guy but they went and uh captured the french and converted to catholicism those who would convert and the rest yeah. of them yeah you can feel the city is just so rich with history and possibly violent history yeah it seems like a very violent history um and all, but then also there's all the mobster money there, right? Like by mobs, like all time Rockefeller money. Yeah. Right. Like, cause all the, 
all the hotels were owned by the same guy who was yeah. from was wait, from from Chicago or Boston. And like he what brought was his name. Francis. Is it Francis? Oh. oh well, he's got a college there now. Yeah. Which is totally haunted too. Yeah. They have like ghost stores there. Well, yeah, the college used to be the hotel. Yeah. And he was a railroad guy who um was like, I'll just keep keep Taking this railroad south, 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 south. All the way to Miami, right? All the way to Miami, eventually. Oh, wait, or was it the Keys? All the way to the, to the to Key West. And now it's now that railroad is decommissioned. But, uh, you know, all the, the people from New York were like, oh, I'm going to go down to Florida in the winter. for," And they would go to St. Augustine. And he had the railroad, and he had the station, and then he had the hotels. And he, he just had the whole thing locked up. Yeah. And, uh, and then at some point, they made cigars there. That's right. Which, you know, you, you would think, you know. Yeah. It was like a huge town for cigars. Yeah. It has a... It has a Miami type of vibe in that sense, sort of. Yeah, I love Miami, but like historic, super historic. Yeah, crazy historic. Yeah, but... But, you know, but it's been burned down several times, too. It has? Yeah. So the the old houses that we saw were the original homes or not? Well, they're like 1700s homes. I think the British came in and, and burned... Most of it down? Burned a lot of it down. Yeah. And then they came back and they're like, well, we'll just do it again. Yeah. It's it's an interesting city. It's super cute. It is, you know, like Savannah, Savannah Old Town is gorgeous, but it feels more, uh, it's not metropolitan by any means, right? But but like olden days metropolitan maybe, even though it's all two-story houses in the old Savannah. And Charleston feels that same way, like more yeah. built out. But St. Augustine feels... Quaint. More, more, yeah, more true to its original yeah. self. And feel, obviously there were, there were a handful of, you know, not modern looking buildings, but modern constructed buildings. Yeah. But the the old hotels are preserved, I guess. They're trying to preserve the old yeah. stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the, uh, what's his head? What's the guy's name? Uh, the, Tiffany? What's the Tiffany's guy who oh, did the interior design? Yeah. Sure. All right. Whatever the Tiffany Lamps guy is. Yeah, the Tiffany, Tiffany Lamps guy, who was the son of the... Tiffany and Company guy. The jewelry, yeah. Yeah. So the Tiffany Lamps guy did the, was he the architect? Interior designer. Interior designer for this the guy's hotel. hotel which... I thought it was like San Francis or something. Or um, I can I have it on my Instagram account so I can look it up. Yeah. And uh, everything's so weirdly connected. It, was, it just seems like it was ran. It was ran by like these handful of people. Yeah, the whole thing was ran by these handful of people, which gives me an uncomfortable feeling. Uh, fl- uh, flag- flag- Flagler. 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 And so Flagler College is gorgeous. Uh, and it, is it liberal arts school or what is it? I think so. Uh, but it was in the old time hotel. It was like ranked number three in the in the state, I think. Oh, yeah. Or in the southeast or something. And it's there's all this symbolism and stuff inside. It's, oh yeah, it's you like know. Masonic level symbolism. Yeah, yeah. There's the inside the lobby of the Flagler Hotel. There is um, a huge domed, you know, domed right? Is that what it'll be? Um, yeah. Fresco, um, painted by I don't know who painted it, but but I guess you know Tiffany Tiffany Lamp guy I guess designed it together with Flagler, and has the symbolism of the the earth, the wind, the fire, the water. The three maidens of of those elements. Four. 
or for yeah, the yeah. four pains of the elements. And then, you know, in between them, it was like destiny. Adventure. Ad, uh, was it cur- courage or whatever it is. So basically the embodiment of, of human actions within the elemental world. So it's, I mean, you know, and that's just like, we just happened to come in in there and um, who, who was it? Oh, there was a security guard and then he just happened to point out. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's wild. No, it's got some stained. You know, nobody does stained glass like Tiffany does stained glass. Right, some gorgeous stained glass in there. And then the, I guess they said it like in the ballroom. What is mommy kidnapping you here? Um, they said that the ballroom has like the best stained glass ever, but we didn't end up going there. No, it was closed off. Uh, there, you could take a tour there. We just, oh yeah, it was we just, just close didn't to bother the, close yeah. to the general public. Yeah, but then there's a there's a tour of the. The fountain of Ponce de Leon, fountain of youth, but which, that was not the real. Yeah, which seemed that was a tourist trappy. Yeah, and and then I think prior to getting to San Augustine, we read that basically, you know, Ponce de Leon was not looking for the fountain of youth. If anything, he was looking for for Bimini, right? Um, and then some lady later like capitalized on that idea. Yeah, you know, and I don't know what he was looking at Bimini for. Fountain of Youth. No, I don't know. I don't the, know. There's no there's no historical record during Ponce de Leon's lifetime about anything related to the Fountain of Youth. That all came up after the fact, which yeah, I don't know. But historical record, but at the same time, when you're looking for Bemini, right? It was the historic record there. What are know. you looking for there? I don't know. I don't know. I mean it's, it's obviously the sunken to, city of Atlantis. To, well, yeah. I mean uh, that's what I would assume, but you know, that's just my <laughs> My wishful thinking assumption. Right. Are we going to settle into nappies or we're we just going to be biting the entire time? I think it's, it's, it's feral. Like, so it's idea of playing with things is a little bit more uh, aggressive, aggressive <laughs> than normal cat. Yes, I know. I know. Yeah. How about we go bossy? It's sleep time for kitty cat. Yeah. Kitty cat's getting tired. I don't know how she can clean that coat. You know, that coat must be hard to clean. Like, cause you know, her lick in order to get her tongue all the way across is pretty long. Yeah. But yet she spends a lot of time cleaning herself. Yeah. Winter solstice cats. So we actually had a topic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know how many minutes in we are. We haven't even started on talking, but the, the topic. Well, yeah, and the topic related to what we started about was basically kind of like the, yesterday we started talking about the retrospect of us yeah, in comparison to us. In the past. In the past. Yeah. And I, it's, it's, we're, we are on at the uh, clasp of new year right now. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, you know, and a lot of people are kind of going through that um, retrospect, but we went back to my old house yesterday where I was living when I met Elliot and it like brought up like these. Well, even, weird... b- even before that, we, we pulled into the Home Depot first. We hadn't even gotten to the house yet. Yeah. And I was, I don't even know about what, how the t- topic got started, but I, 
I don't know who said it first. But at some point I was like, I don't even know who that guy was. The the Elliot from even like five years ago, but really, you know, 20, 25, 30. Who who was that guy? Mm-hmm. That is not me. It is it, it is a different person, a different entity. Yeah. And yes, is the is, you know, is the the Elliot from a day ago the same person as me? We're getting all philosophical now, but but the one from, you know, 20 years ago, it's I I don't even recognize that person. That's that's what's weird. Yeah. The I think the biggest contrast that I can come up with is just actions or like things I participated in or the actions of self or like beliefs or yeah what what mind mindset mindset or like what yeah what my life was as a consequences yeah. of my beliefs yeah what the life was in 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 as much as the, you had control over it it's like you know your your life was you know well you were in school because you had to be in school or whatever not that but the the parts that you or i had direct control over and and so chose to make it that way mm-hmm. it's like yeah I, I don't think i'd do that now yeah yeah but that that contrast difference is more you know every year i don't think there has been a year in the past where that contrast was so widely different than this year it's very pronounced yeah like it's, just like i think last year you know on the new year on the new year New Year's Eve, like I would, I would have not been able to say that. I would have said I'm different and I'm possibly, I don't know what I would have said, but maybe less, but the contrast just would have been less. Right. It's, it's so much. And I mean, I think that's good. I'm, I I like today's Elliot much more than I think I'd like 20 years ago, Elliot. I, not that there's anything wrong with it. But it's just not what I would choose to do or think or participate in now. Mm-hmm. And so it's like hard to wrap my head around why I would have wanted to be involved with, you know, this group of people or whatever. Yeah. And it could be that that the, the energy that would have let led you there in the past it's just so foreign now right we have spent so much time like recognizing why we went to certain things and did certain things and hung with certain people and participated in certain actions that the energy of that of what what right like in specifically we're talking about like the group of people that elliot used to hang with yeah right the energy that kept you in that group is so foreign to you, yeah. That that now you're like, wait, why? Wh- right. What was that even? Right. I mean, it, it's not that you cannot see yourself in that group of people. It's just like now, what held you there was not truth. Right. It was that it frequency. Was, yeah. What was a? It was a pain body of me <laughs> having a hard time making friends, and so here's people who seem like I can easily be friends with them or will at least accept me into their group. So I'll do whatever it takes to kind of be one of, be one of them going along with things that, you know, uh, maybe I didn't even really want to do or whatever, but I'll just go along with it. Mm -hmm. I'm not actively 
you know, is condoning good or bad? I forget. I'm not actively agreeing with it, but I'm also not actively disagreeing with it. So I'm kind of agreeing with it by default, even though that is not there. The behaviors of the group is not really something that I agree with. Ethically. Yeah. 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 No, I think a lot of your life, I say your, but you know, our life as human beings is spent doing things because we want to fit in or belong. Yeah. If, whether or not you're introvert or extrovert or have a lot of friends or not have a lot of friends, that the idea of just being rejected by someone, period, right? Or not fitting in, period. Even if you don't want to belong into that group, the idea that you don't belong into that group, like rubs deeper than the actual truth, right? Right. I mean, on the last episode, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, how important it is especially like historically, evolutionarily, to be, to belong to a tribe. And, you know, mm-hmm. a tribe isn't, a, a tribe could be two people. A tribe could be a hundred people. But, you know, your little group of friends, that is a tribe of people that that it, it feels safe to belong to. Is it safe? Mm, that's, that's almost irrelevant. It feels safe. Yeah. It, two humans, it is, a, it is, it's safety. But, it, you know, it's safety, but if you take safety out of it, or, you, like, sometimes, even if you take, like, logic out of it, where you're like, wait, do I even want to be part of this group? That's the thing. Yeah, well, that's what it comes down to. It almost doesn't matter. Instinctively, I think it's, like, wired in from, like, Caveman Existence 101. Even being rejected by the group that you disagree with somehow rubs you the wrong way. Right. And you're yeah. like, wait, what? Like, that's the thing. I, you know, is it- I'm not trying to draw on any concept, but you know, take, pick the concept that you actually disagree with. And then somebody going, you know what? No, we don't want you part of this group. It would still rub you the wrong way. It Like, logically, you'd be like, no, you should be right. happy because you don't fit into this group because right. you actively disagree and, with it. And them. as an extension, like, you, you, I would find myself in, in pockets or groups of people, um, that are, that either do or believe or say something that I'm not, I'm not down with, mm-hmm. and I don't, I wouldn't remove myself from that. Now I would remove myself from that because I don't want anything to do with it. But back then I wouldn't, I wouldn't, because it is. Well, there's a lot of reasons for me. I don't like conflict. I would try to avoid any sort of conflict. So you know, saying something would be unthinkable to me. The same time, something. Like- like, hey, part of hey guys, that's, go... that's really not cool. Why are you, we don't need to yeah. do that. Um, but even just go, just distancing myself from them, which, which, which is a very passive. passive way to, to do that. I wouldn't even do that because then it's like, I'm, I'm losing membership in this group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without ever considering why do I want membership in this group? In the first place, it it almost doesn't matter that it's this group. It's membership in a group feels very comforting to mm-hmm. me, and I'm guessing most people. Yeah. Um. But that you know that but without ma- without ever evaluating, is this really the group you want to be part of? Yeah. Yeah. There's you know there's a lot of blind belief in because it comes with this dot 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 comfort and safety. Yeah. Or it soothes the it pain. It soothes something without ever thinking why, why, or what is it? What yeah. is it doing? 
And it's like, well, why why was I in this group in the first place? Well, I happened to work next to someone. And mm -hmm. so I kind of inherited my way into that group because through that. Yeah. That's it. If I worked next to someone else, I would have been in a different situation. Who knows? Um, we had this conversation with our son because he's, you know, he's becoming an adult. And so there's this, there, the need to belong at times carries responsibility. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so in your case, when you're hanging with a group of those people and are participating in the actions that now you realize, okay, that was just ridiculous. I even knew that it was ridiculous back then. I knew it was ridiculous back then. Yeah, but but because you want to belong and you because you do not want to speak up and because you don't want to alienate yourself away, you just continue to to be part of that group. But part of the continuation you know, maybe this is off topic slightly, but it, you know, it kind of it's kind of relates. Is I don't know, right? Just finally, finally gave up and fell asleep. Um, part of that continuation is, yeah, like condoning, right? It's, we should probably look this up so we don't continue to use the wrong word. Um, well, you, condemn you, is definitely bad. Yeah, so condoning is, I think, approving, but maybe. condemning is. Let's not use it until we're sure. You can have my phone and look it up. I I'm missing an arm right now. Yeah, I think condoning is whenever you you agree with it and then therefore promote it forward, and condemning is when you disagree with it and then, um, you know, basically. Yeah, condone is to accept and allow. But then condemn is the opposite. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So through. Through just participation. Uh oh, we got woken up. Where are we going now? She gets really hot, I think, in her coat. And so, like, sooner or later, she needs to go to cooler surfaces in order to. Right. Well, she spent, all, you know, her whole life in the wilds of fall and winter, Georgia. Yeah. I don't think she really realizes how big her body is because <laughs> the back half just keeps flopping off of stuff. <laughs> she's, she's so good. We we calculated her date of birth, uh, and uh, it it I think we we can safely say that it's uh, on the day that we were in the Delphi, yeah, in Greece, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. So as far as as far as uh, synchronicities go, um, I had a wait. I guess I'll I'll detour a little bit, but I had a dream. Um, yeah, a lot of my crazy stuff comes in dream form and then i had a dream that there was a pleiadian energy that was talking to me and they said that they they were trying to come and communicate and that they're always there but they're not always visible um but but they're you know kind of always keeping taps and in my dream i connected to to the pleiadian energy this was like two two or three nights before she came and then next thing I know, oh yeah, and then I got the message about the Haley's comment. Yeah. And then that day we find her, right? Yeah. That day? Yeah, that day. Yeah, or the next day. Maybe the next day. Yeah. Um, and so, wait, I have just occupied both of my arms. I need to, I need to rethink this move. But otherwise, she, look, she's just going to fall. 
You silly. <laughs> okay. Is that's that's going to be a warm, warm spot. Yeah. She'll she relocate. And um, yeah, so she has that Pleiadian signature in her. Because they have that, uh, the energy that I gave you the other day. Mm. It has that, you said completeness. Yeah. Very, very, um, like smoothed out, uninterrupted flow. That's kind of the way I see it, right? If there's, if there's existence and existence has a frequency and it's complete within that frequency, you know, the symbol I keep on drawing. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, so that the symbol line has the frequency of complete existence, right? And then anything that we interact with or create in our world can either go along with that frequency and complement it, or it can create static, right? And so what we're talking about right now, interacting with certain groups or, um, or participating in things would would basically create static. And within your system, you would be able to feel that you're going against this prime frequency. Like, yeah, I, I know this is going to sound weird, but like your body is tuned in into the idea of like prime directive. <laughs> I, th- I think there's a show, isn't there a show? There's a prime directive. I guess uh, Star Trek. Star Trek? Yeah. I think, I think that, wow, I'm going to lose my nerd card if I get this wrong. I think the prime directive is that you don't interfere with other civilizations, or at least um, like less advanced civilizations. Something like that. You know, you go out there and you find some primitive, like even Earth today would be primitive compared to Star Trek. Trek. Yeah. So it's like, you can't go... Oh, here's how you do warp drive. Here's how you do fusion. Here's how you you, you don't do that. I think that's the prime directive. Wait, so Star Trek, when they went out, they were more advanced than Earth. It, it takes place in the future. Oh, it's but Earth, it was but Earth. It's, it's I don't know what year it is. I am losing my nerd card over this. <laughs> I was not. I never. I, I the only thing I knew was William Shatner was in it, and then the guy from X Men. What's his name? Patrick Stewart. Yeah, Patrick Sir Stewart. Patrick Stewart. Yeah, it wasn't he in it. Yeah, and so I, no, but in this case, what I'm referencing, and maybe it is not dissimilar. Patrick, Patrick Stewart was on uh, the Ritual podcast. It was good. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He seemed like he's a good guy. Yeah. I was like, he's super aware. Yeah, he has a troubled past, but. Uh, but that's the thing. Everybody has a troubled past, right? Yeah. And that troubled well, past, to begin with, defines our identity. Yeah. Like we try to overcompensate or or block off or pretend to be something else to offset it as opposed to allowing it to flow. Right? There yeah. you go. The troubled past, if there's a if there's a if there's a frequency of you, right? The troubled past becomes the frequency of you. The the essence of you Right, with all the bullshit, right, with all the trauma and, you know, the worst things you can imagine is the essence of you, right? And that is what makes you you, that story, right? However, instead of taking that frequency that is the definition of you based on your life's experience, and in this case, troubled past, 
we add static onto it. Like we try to mask it. Mask it or revise it or retell it or hide it or or overcompensate or under, you know, whatever it is. The story is that the frequency of you is the same and that troubled past, your life experiences is your story. But then are you allowing it to flow and just simply allowing it to become you? And then thus you express the world through that past. Right. Or do you and that live in pain of it? Right. And, or trauma of it? And letting it flow doesn't mean that it has to own you or control you or 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 yeah. anything. It's not, oh, you know, I grew up in, I don't know what, some terrible situation. It does, That doesn't have to... Become you. Become you. In the but same, at the same time, you. yeah, you can den- identify denying it isn't going to. Yeah, no, you can allow it either. to become you, but you don't have to allow it to hinder you. Yeah, it should yeah. not be a hindrance of self, right? Like, and you know, at some point, like I think some people through like therapy and maturity reach that point where, where you can say like, yes, this is I, right? Like I would say by in Patrick Stewart's. I did not hear this interview, but at his age and his level of maturity and his level of awareness, he can say, yes, this is I. But in no way does that define me in the way to hinder it, right? This is just expression of my being, of my soul being me. But it doesn't mean anything other than that. It it probably just means that he knows who he is. You know who you are without that pain or without that abuse or without that story or without that trauma. Do you know what I mean? That trauma can still be there and that can still be your story. But that story is not, right? Until you allow it to be and until you recognize it as your truth. I'm not sure if I like, like, just move the chairs all together or she's going to settle. And a little head shake when she settles in. If it's not obvious, we're completely in love with this cat. <laughs> but you know, I think who the, everybody says the cats or the pets that come into your life unannounced are like the best ones. Yeah, I'm not saying that our other ones are not best. But most of ours have come in unannounced. Yeah, yeah. But even the ones we picked, I think we picked for a very specific reason. Yeah, yeah. we've had cats literally dropped off at our house, or just come to our house, or just come to our house. Yeah. In this case, you know, we, she was in the car with us for 10 hours driving home. Yeah. I was like, please don't be in the car. I was really nervous about her being in the car. Well, we're also driving a new car, so. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. But we went to, we went to a dollar store and we got like a little box. Litter box thing. And then we got litter. Or like a office box. It's an office box that we got. Yeah. Some, you know, to fit into the, yeah. the floorboard of the car. And some, uh. Litter pellets. Yeah, but she she held her pee the entire that entire time, all all in the hotel room overnight. Over, over twenty four hours, we had her. She held her pee and she poo. Held her pee and poo. Yeah, which is like right, like who? What kind of cat does that? It's the kitten. So imagine the size of his bladder. And we were feeding it too. Like yeah. She was starving to death, oh so gosh. she just downed like a whole can of food through it. Yeah, so we might be like to me the idea of her going through that much trauma does a little trigger yeah. uh because i was thinking oh my gosh it's a kitten it's, it's helpless it's helpless right which is my thing it's unsafe yeah stuck in the median of an interstate in the winter time 
it's literally giving up on life and sitting on the where the, the tire track would go to where yeah. just squisher. And then, you know, the, the fact that, you know, it, the idea of not pulling over and trying to rescue this cat in the middle of the interstate yeah, was not even an not option. Not even an option. I wasn't sure what to do. I was like, half wanted to capture it and take it somewhere or keep it and half wanted to scare it off off of it toward, but there was no, you couldn't see a house. Yeah, later on we went on the satellite view and like, there's a farm like a half mile away. Maybe it came from there. Half miles. Yeah. Good bit for a kitten to go. Yeah, but we talked to the doctor and she, she's like, yeah, she's feral. Yeah. Like, I mean, maybe she had a mommy that, she well, no, she it? had a mummy because she was still trying to breastfeed on, on us. <laughs> yeah, for the first like two or three days, I think she was trying to find some nipples. And and then I think there's the, she still had like the the whole nuzzling thing where like where she looks for a nipple and she does the whole like paw, paw clawing thing at a, at a, you know, like how she would at a mommy's belly. She was trying to do that the first night we were sleeping with her. In the hotel. In the hotel, yeah. So she like went at my neck and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to let this go. <laughs> Never had a pet in a hotel before. No, that was our first. But, you know, she's like literally the best ever. I mean, what kind of cat holds this bee while you're, it's in the car the entire time? Mm. Yeah. Anyway, so detoured again. Yeah. Uh, where were we? Yeah. yeah that's, so, yeah. So that that trauma can identify you, right? And it can make you it can make you live your life through the lens of that trauma, whatever that might be. Yeah. Um or or you can simply recognize it as your truth, but like live live with through the knowledge thereof, yeah. but not the pain thereof. Yeah. You can use it as a learning growing experience. Yeah. yeah. I mean, learning and growing. Yeah, but like in recognition thereof, right? There's activity going on, so now we're spiking up. Jay, I have a kitty cat in my lap, so you're going to have go to go to daddy's. Two cats. Yeah. Yeah, and so... I think the evaluation that we're going through like this year or into the new year, right? Is, is that, that trauma or pain or, you know, whatever that you and I have identified as us. I'm not saying all of it is gone, but a lot of it has just been brought up to the surface and you recognize, yes, this is the life I lived and this is the I that I was, but in no way is that identification right. of me. But if it, it's like, what am I trying to say here? It's like, I know that was me. I remember being like that. I remember thinking these things and doing these things. But it feels so foreign. Removed. Removed. Yeah. Because, because the pain that had you doing those things and had you been in that space is no longer your truth. Right. 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 It. It feels like, almost like, you know, watching a movie, you know, it's like, oh, this is a character on the screen. Mm -hmm. This isn't, this isn't a real person. This isn't Patrick Stewart. This is mm -hmm. Captain Picard. 
Yeah. That sensation of everything is some sort of play or game. Yeah, that's super heightened. It's super heightened right now. Yeah, like the idea that, you know, we, we, yesterday we went and did normal stuff that we usually do. And then, you know, went to Home Depot and, and did like housework and whatnot. And then I'm doing it, but I'm like, it's just weird. It is weird. It's weird. It's strange. It's foreign. Like it, outside it, of out of body experience almost. Like to where like, yeah, here I am. And in my case, you know, I was speaking Russian yesterday. And, and I realized, oh my gosh, the me that speaks Russian. Is to, a different person? It's a different person. And it was just so weird and strange. I mean, I could tell that you you felt different speaking Russian to a degree, but then you kind of like became you again. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's not me. It's just yeah, a different it's, me. It, it, there's a different energy there. Yeah. No, with me, it could be you know partial partial uh, like multi personality disorder or something. I think. I started. I stopped speaking Russian and socializing in Russian when I moved to United States. You know, so that was uh, how many years are we? We're coming. Wait, are we coming up on thirty years? Was it ninety five? Shit, yeah. It, it's going to be thirty years. In one oh year, it's going to be thirty years. A year and a half. It's going to be thirty <gasps> years. So there's a concept of, and I have to. I, I have told you this before, but there's a concept of me. I think when you move to a different country and then you stop socializing and and being part of that circle group, and with me that was 30 years ago. Like there's a portion of me that just froze at age of 13, right? And so... Yeah. And so like when I speak to them, I'm like, I'm an adult. And I know I'm an adult, and I'm speaking to adults. You might, we might be older than than the the, other two people. Yeah, I'm older than other two people. I don't feel old though. I don't feel old. old. I've never felt old. I feel like more so now. I feel younger and younger. Right. I feel like maybe a 25 year old in this, and I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, huh. Those lines didn't used to be there. I feel younger and younger all the time. Yes. But obviously not visually. But but I cannot think of myself as an adult. Whatever the def- human definition yeah, of an adult, I've never been is, able to to fully think of myself as an adult. But has it has it amplified recently? Yeah, I think my my age, the um, the age that I felt I was, um, tracked with my actual age, sort of. I guess when I was you know eight to. 14, 15, I felt older than I was. I guess I felt older than I was from, you know, eight, maybe less, on until the 20s when I guess I felt 20-something. And then after that, I kind of, I've been like frozen in time in my mid to late 20s. But now it almost feels younger. I don't know why. Yeah. Maybe it peaked at 30, but then it's, it's, gone, it's gone back as I've gone forward. You know, knees, knees don't feel like a uh, 25-year-old. <laughs> yeah, but, but since we've been doing yoga for a year. Yeah, but that has helped. 
but I think I have less knee cracking and less joint pain ever be, than ever I do, before. I do too. Yeah. Well, maybe not ever before, but in but certainly in recent history. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in yeah. the, in the years prior to this. Yeah. No, I, I you know I never felt my age when I was younger. Felt older. I'm much older. Yeah. Like not older, but wiser. Like I felt like. I know that seems weird, but it maybe like there's some. Uh... I, I felt restricted by my age. Mm-hmm. I felt like, oh, I can do these adult things. I could go work. I could go do this or that. I'm capable to do stuff, but I happen to be 14, so I can't. And that's very frustrating. Yeah. I guess, how you know, in Ukraine, I was doing adult stuff, you know, by the mere nature that of the lifestyle that we lived. Yeah. But it was very obvious in the decision process. Like... Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I other no, people's decisions. Yeah. Well, I had no say. Anyway, that was its own thing. I didn't have say, but I can look at a situation and then, then I would evaluate, like, where everybody was coming from and where I was sitting. And it was always obvious that, you know, it was that things were coming from a pain or trauma or... A, well, like, right... It was never surface deep. Like I could see past the surface deep, which made it frustrating, right? If you see past the surface deep when, when everybody else is on the surface, um, then then all conversations are actually irrelevant and not real. And then there's a very large part of me that almost felt like I couldn't, like the true conversation was never happening, you know? Like what you and I have in this podcast to me feels like the true conversation where we, I'm yeah. not saying you need to dig deep, but it is an honest conversation right. and everything else is. Yeah. Well, we were talking about 20 years ago. Probably no. not so much. No. Um, you know, you and I met in an ethics class. So there were some deep conversations right. that our, our yeah, life started I mean, out with. Now it's, I don't know that we... There's not, we don't have surface conversations. No. I mean, we still talk about air filters and we, Yeah, I mean, we talk about stupid stuff, but it's, but it, then we're specifically talking about stupid stuff. We're not yeah, talking about stupid stuff, but there's an undertone of something else or. Yeah. The conversation is what it is as opposed to pretense of it something. Is, yeah. 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 That, that is a, probably the biggest change over the last five years is the awareness behind the truth of every subject, every conversation, every interaction. Yeah. You're not hiding yourself behind a concept, right? I, which is, which is right, which is, I think that the, what the world is struggling right now is that, is that there's this internal feeling that you feel that is trying to come to the surface, trying to come into awareness. But instead of pausing, and internally going, what is it that I'm actually feeling? That is my own. No one's doing that. I say no one. But a lot of people don't even know that that is something that needs to be done. And instead of acknowledging what's brewing or that they're feeling inside of them, um, they take that feeling, that same vibrational feeling, and they try to assign it to the outside source. And, you know, I think all of the podcasts that we recorded, period, basically, hit on that but 
maybe this is kind of like wraps it all together. And so your extrapolation or your world outlook or what you're living out is a is a muddied water representation of what you're actually holding inside or you're trying not to acknowledge inside mm-hmm. and like surface deep trying to push out there and marry to a different outsource concept to where you're still feeling it and still allowing it to be your truth but you're not acknowledging the actual truth behind it does that make sense yeah and so that those conversations that you're having even though on the surface they may touch on what you feel passionate about are are just you know to mm, chat yeah but the underneath there's that vibration of truth that you're hiding yeah do you know what i mean yeah um it's like you're talking around it almost. Yeah, you're talking around. You're talking circles around what is actually at the core. And yeah. You never actually reach yeah. the internal you, it's, you. It's almost like a like a cry for help in a sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I, see that. I want this to be brought up or acknowledged, but I don't want to directly bring it up. I'm going to kind of dance around it and hope that it's noticed and maybe someone else can bring it up, but I'm not going to do it myself. Mm-hmm. And everyone's doing that. And only rarely does someone actually get in there and go, do you feel like this? Are you talking about this? Yeah. But if you can just skip all that dancing around, you can actually talk to someone. Yeah. But a lot of times you're dancing around and that dance is a subconscious thing. Right. Uh, Yeah. I'm not. You yourself are cognitive, not aware that this is something that you're doing. Of course. Yeah. But one, you might not have the mental capacity. Not I, saying I've been cognitively aware of doing it before. Oh, you have. I know I've done. I've purposely done it, especially when I was young. Like you want the conversation to I say want, things. Yeah, I want something to be noticed, and so I will orchestrate. That's the word I was going to use. Orchestrate the conversation around, very peripherally around something. I don't even have an example, but I know I've done that, especially yeah. when I was, you know, a teenager. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're, you're always brewing something in your mind if you're not processing. So the mind is always like brewing and, and, and creating and yeah, actualizing or, tr- or trying to bring things up from the surface, right? And if you, you know, if you want to go on the deeper scale, it's, uh, it's larger than just this lifetime. Or like I say, if you're a teenager, it's larger than the 16 years that you have had that with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, the, the I think the best you can do, um, and I, I heard somebody, like, I don't know, a lot of people are like posting and talking about these, these type of evaluations at the end of the year, right? But the the best you can do is just be aware of what is it that you are. Yeah. Or, and then, and then we talked about this a lot, but it's not necessary that you don't have to be different. Right. Just be aware and then cognitively go, yes, I'm happy with this. Yeah. This is how I'm acting. This is how I'm feeling. And I'm okay with this, but I'm aware that I'm this. Right. I mean, that's kind of the advice we were trying to give give Aiden was 
you don't even have to act any differently. Just know, just, just, you know, be aware and make it a conscious choice. Because if it's not a conscious choice, it's an unconscious choice. And you don't even know what you're doing or why you're doing it. You know, you can, you know, oh, I want to go eat a bag, <laughs> sleeve of Oreos. Okay. And, you know, you'll go eat the sleeve of Oreos without even realizing why. I think it was Girl Scout cookies. Was sleeve different. of Girl Scout cookies, yeah. Mm-hmm. Samoas. Samoas. It's oh, always Samoas. Samoas sounds so good. <laughs> I could go for a sleeve of Samoas. Anyway, um, <laughs> the, uh, but if you can go, oh, wait a minute. I just got fired, and that's why I want to eat a sleeve of Samoas, because that will make me feel better about being Most fired. Most people just go drink into the bar after they get fired. <laughs> that's a, probably a better example. That's a more relatable <laughs> no, example. No, no need for Samoas there. And then drinking right. would be like the least bad of the things you're going to do when you get fired. Right. But, you know. It's hard to look at being it's, fired it's, as a positive thing, though, it, right? Yeah. But maybe it doesn't have to be that dramatic. But there any sort of anything you do, you're doing for a, a, a you're there's a something inside that's driving it, right? Yeah, conscious or subconscious. Conscious, subconscious, and Usually most of it's most of it's subconscious. So if you can bring some awareness to what is causing that, then you can go, okay, well, now I know why I want to go eat a sleeve of Samoas. Mm-hmm. And you can go yes, you can go no, you can go well half asleep today. You, you you can choose. You can choose. Never mind. I'm going to go to the bar instead. You can choose. I'm going to go exercise instead. Mm-hmm. Meditate. Whatever. You know. And it's not that one of those is better or worse than the other. You know. You can look at it and go yes, this is better than that. But it isn't even that. Mm-hmm. What's better if we want to start assigning a judgment to it is that you're doing it consciously and you're doing it on purpose with awareness. With awareness. And it's not just the default of that's what I've always done, so that's what I'm going to continue to do, or that's what my programming is making me do. Mm -hmm. It's you can still do it, yeah, but do it with with intention, with conscious with consciousness, yeah, yeah. You know that. You know, Aiden and I, and then I guess when you were in the car the day we found Haley, we were having that discussion of like. What does it mean to be spiritually aware? Right, and I don't even... Go ahead. No, go ahead. See, I even like disconnect this from spiritually aware. I don't know. I don't know what the right term is. Maybe that is the right term. But there's a whole lot of different things that are all bundled up in that No, he he, he recognized that as like, oh, spiritually, spiritual, being spiritual is being aware, right? Right. And then the conversation that I was trying to point out is that's just human humanism, right? That's just being a human, being aware is being a human. Right. And, and, you know, you can be Christian, you can be Muslim, you can be spiritual, you can be agnostic or you can be an atheist, right? Whatever. That awareness of your being and why you're doing something is not necessarily or does not have to in any way tie into religion or atheism or spirituality or none of the above or all of the above. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just the whole point of our existence as a human being, regardless of our nationality or race or, or, you know, or what religion we belong to or do not belong to, 
all of that is completely relevant. And at the end, what you're answering is your own soul's call into awareness. Right. I mean, you can, yeah, I think it works. It, it, I think this is the, the secret to a happy life, if there is one, is this. It is, is being aware. So, self, aware of yourself, self, self-awareness. Mm-hmm. I like self-awareness better than spiritual awareness because it, uh, well, sp- I feel spiritual awareness brings in other things that are, that are not necessarily connected to it. Yeah, but I mean, a lot of people say self-awareness is spiritual awareness. It's, right. it's interchangeable. No, I, mean, I, don't, I don't disagree. Yeah. I just, I, in order to be clear and precise, I don't, I don't like that term for that reason. But um, I, I, it works no matter how you want to think about it. If you want to think about it from a spiritual perspective, it works. If you want to think, I am a bunch of atoms and my consciousness is just a, uh, it's basically a big computer up there and it works there too from like a psychological, physical level. It doesn't matter how, how you want to think that, it, that, that you work or that society works or that consciousness works or that the universe works. It doesn't matter. This is just clearly the, the, the way to live that is the most beneficial to, to you as a, as a human. Yeah. I, I fundamentally believe that. Yeah. But yeah. And you, but... And, you, and like, you can, you can look at it through a spiritual lens. You can look at it through a materialistic lens. And it's, I think it's still effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's not always easy. Especially yeah. to begin with. Once, you, once, you, once you've been doing it for a while, it, it becomes second nature to some degree. Yeah. A- Aiden's point, which was valid, was that the knowledge thereof is a burden. It's a burden and it creates pressure. And, and you know, and, and me having this podcast and you and I talking about it, and me telling him what is it that I feel like is what humanism 101 is, is obviously it's not meant to right to put pressure on or create burden. Right. But I think my point that I was trying to make to him and then, then to you is that, and it's not to weasel a lot of the fact that, you know, that, that he does feel pressure at age of 16 because that's not what my goal is, right? But I think this is not to weasel out the fact that I put that pressure on him. But I think w- what what I was trying to point out is there's that internal knowing and internal call of your soul. And again, I say soul like in from the spiritual standpoint, but like you're, the essence of you, of who you are on the inside, right? As an individual being. And then that soul is always pulling you towards yourself, right? Like even if you are an atheist, you are a human being on this planet and then you have actions that you perform every day. And then, I mean, I'm trying to think of how I would even word this if you don't believe in in any kind of force. But those actions... If there's this thing. I don't, can you even separate atheism and then not have a force within you? I mean, I was a 
semi-militant atheist for a I, lot of my life. I remember that. And yeah, yeah all right. I don't know what that <laughs> I, was about. Again, remember, who was that person? I remember marrying a semi-militant atheist. Yeah, right? <laughs> I, again, I it's like, who was this person? Right, the fact that I, who right now would be classified as a someone on the fringe spiritual person would marry a militant atheist. Well, but and, then, and yeah. then you and I would spend 20 years living in that scenario. That's crazy. That is crazy. Huh? Right? Right. And then we like I that how I was thinking how funny is that that there's this part of me that is the essence of my truth that is completely opposite to what you're over there blobbing about because to me it was just like rants, right? She left. And and yet we were okay with each other. Like that compartmentalization, I won't be able to pronounce that word right now, worked. Like I compartmentalized my, my truth and then you were running with that version of your truth. And then both of us kind of like had these individual channel that were, you know, we would not cross. And once in a while we would cross over and there would be an argument and there would be a, some sort of, you know, a spout that they originated. Yeah. But then we would just back away because we knew that there were not there was not an amicable solution for yeah. your end of things, my end of things. Yeah. And yet we continued to live like that for 20 years. Yeah. I mean, besides 20, but, you know, maybe 16, 17 for sure. Yeah. I think they started to, to cross. Wait, no, wait. Been together. Yeah, so for 20 years. Yeah. And then after 20 years, I was like, okay. Yeah. Where I, where I was where I was going with that was that, you know, even when I was militant atheist, it was there was still this this um, sense of like right and wrong. That um, well, we were just watching something that was talking about how uh, religion, you know, without religion, you know, who do, what are the oh, people. We're... You were watching True Detectives. Was it that? Yeah, and then Woody Harrison's case, because he's like, I guess, Christian. Yeah. His is like, oh, you would just be complete chaos. Yeah. Without yeah. it. Like, there's, a, I think there's a lot of Christian rhetoric that like, oh, if you don't have Christianity or, you know, religion, the world is chaos. Right. And, and, then, Ma and then Matthew McConaughey's point was perfect. Right. Perfect. Yeah. I, th I don't remember if it was Ricky Gervais or if it was... Uh... Pendulette, but one of them, I think one of them said, uh, Ricky Gervais or, or Ricky or Pendulette or the Ricky Gervais is a comedian, yeah, and the other one's a comedian, a magician, yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, well, but, they're, I do. but they're both, they're, they're both atheists. Oh, they're both atheists, and uh, it was, I think it was one of them that said, There was like, well, you know, if 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 you're if you don't believe in in God or you don't believe in hell, then what's keeping you from murdering and raping all you want? And they're like, I am murdering and raping all I want. Which is zero. I'm doing all the murdering and raping that I want to do. I want to do zero of it, and I'm doing that. Yeah. I don't have the I don't have the desire to go kill people. Mm -hmm. I I would be it would be awful to go kill someone. I don't have the desire to go rape anybody. That just sounds awful. Mm -hmm. But but I don't I don't need the the threat of 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 eternal damnation in hell. That doesn't that doesn't change it for me. It's it's already. It already, it just instinctively feels wrong to do, you know, 
to murder or, or rape or steal or cheat or lie. Those just, they just feel wrong. But not from a... For force of religion? Not from a religious force. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they feel like this universal truth. Yeah. Which, yeah. in my atheistic days, you know, I could boil it down to some sort of philosophy type of thing. Oh, is probably, that what you would boil it down to? Probably, you know, oh, well, you know, I just, this is the moral code that I've, I've landed on or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, but now it, it, it feels like there's this, this universal truth. Yeah. I, you know, I, that's, that was my, I can reconcile that with atheism is that, and now it's more obvious than ever to me. I feel the current of the essence of truth run within me. Yeah. Like more so than ever. It is amplified. It is continued to amplify. Like I can, and I feel the, like it's almost like a tree, like the most potent tree that has this force running. And then there's these branches of it as light just come out and then they, they're just spreading. They're, they're spreading. And then I cannot separate myself from that feeling because I know that feeling is I. And it's so, like I'm almost getting teary-eyed about it. It is so unquestionable and undeniable within myself, right? That, you know, you and I are not, I was, I was raised Christian and you were raised Christian. I never went into the atheist revolt, revolt, but you know, I just went into agnostic. And then my dad, if I didn't bring this, my dad uh, converted to Hinduism when I was in my early teens. Well, no, when I was before I was 10. And so he through, you know, just through him learning Hinduism, he taught me a lot of Hinduism. And then we were not, you know, religiously Jewish, so I don't know much about Jewish religion other than like what you and I have learned since that, you know, they followed the Torah and then, you know, they followed the Old Testament. And then, you know, and so th since then we have learned more about uh, Islam and other religions. But like all of those things seem seem like, this is going to sound really bad, but the unkosher points that are part of religions is that static that is added in, but that the core of each one, or what they're trying to teach is to actually identify and reach that internal truth. That is the light that I feel in me. Like that, that stalk of a tree with the branches is what the goal of each religion is. And it's just most beautiful comprehension of you as a human being. And then the connection of you to the rest of the world. Yeah. And then anything that, you know, we can say, oh, that's wrong, or this wrong, is that wrong, is there is just static that got added on top. I almost view all the decoration on top of it, all the individual practices as the static that's that's on top. Yeah, whatever. You know, whatever. You, you know, know, like but it, in your case, like in your religion, right? The, the religion you grew up with, to insert hatred towards others is yeah. static. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's static, right? Yeah. But I mean, I, I mean, the, the, I, the, the whole 
the whole thing, the whole, um, I'm not saying there's not a value in coming together as a community and going through a service and everything, but the details of the service are, feel unimportant as far as, uh, yeah. I mean, if you get something out of it, by all means, that's, that's great. If it works for you, great. But I guess when I first learned about Zoroastrianism, mm -hmm. I'm like, here's, here's somebody who's got it down. It can be boiled down to basically, was it good thoughts, good words, and good deeds? Yeah. Zor so the, for those of you who, who don't know, Zoroastrian was the first monotheistic religion yeah. that is written about prior to um, Judaism and Christianity and Islam. Right. And then those religions actually seep out of that yeah. knowledge. Now, in, there's some weird stuff in, in Zoroastrianism. Right. In, in, in the Zoroastrian, at least that it is practiced today, yes, there is some... Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's still there, practiced there, today. There's a lot. It's, it's not a super popular religion, and it's based out of Iran? Iran, yeah. Iran. I mean, but it wasn't the, Iran back then. It was... Yeah, it was whatever part of Persia it was. Yeah. But but there has been branches of Zoroastrianism that haven't migrated to the United States and so and Canada. And then like the special that we watched on it um, just showcased like Western interpretation of the yeah. religion. And and that that's a lot of that that fufla. Yeah. That those details and calling it fluff sounds insulting. I don't mean it to be insulting, but the stuff that's added on top, mm -hmm. which I don't know if that was in there originally or if that was a more more modern thing. Modern. I don't know. I'm sure it's modern. But again, that's irrelevant. It one one of them I kind of boiled it down to how do you, how do you live? You go around, and if you see something, you, you see something, and you're like, is this good or is this not good? And if it's good, great. And if it's not good, is there something you can do to make it good? And if so, do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like it is really that simple. Do everything. Do everything. It's like you walk. Oh, I see a piece of trash. Is that good? No. Can I do something? Yeah, I can pick it up. Okay. You know. If everybody just lived like that, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. is it good to be, you know, fighting these other people? No. Something I can do? Yeah, we can stop. Okay. You know, that internal compass of good, that's what I'm talking about, right? That, because the argument would be there is, the argument would be like, well, good thoughts, good yeah. words, good deeds. Good is defined by who? By who, right? right. But I think in the long run, that truth of the good thoughts I think good, that's is universal. just wired in. Yeah. I think it is. I mean, are there exceptions? Maybe. I'm, and I'm I not talking know. about details. I'm not talking about like, oh, well, we believe that abortions are right and we believe that abortions are wrong and therefore good thoughts means I'm not going to have abortions yeah. or good deeds means I'm going to go and protest and try to get abortions clinic to shut down. Right. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that internal wired in component of self that is your own individualized, it, what I see it as your soul. Yeah. Your, yeah. your light, the light of your being, that, that, that trunk of a tree with the branches of light is a universal for everyone. Right. And uh, I mean, I, I agree with that, but at the same time, I'm like, are there some people who are just fundamentally wired differently in a way that, that good does not match with the rest of society. You mean are like, there Hitler and serial killers and whatever? 
Maybe. If we if we remove if you if you strip someone down and you remove the pain body and the trauma, are you saying so? If you strip yeah, all that may- down and you remove, are you saying at the core that human beings' definition of right is still different without the trauma I, in the? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's like a philosopher's question almost. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, you know, remember you and I? Do you remember the the three day long fight we had about utopian society? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, so after my 2017 slap in the face, at some point, oh, we were—I was working on the deck. It, yeah. At some point, I got this. I don't know. You know, I would say either download or memory, but it was very distinctly came into my being this way of living that I remember. That was basically. I would say utopian. It's not the word that that I used then, or maybe I used that then, but it's not the word that it was giving to me to describe it. But this idea that, you know, this is what it comes down to. We do not have to live with military control and police laws and rules and restrictions, religious laws and restrictions to impose a world upon us to have all these rules to ensure that this does not fall into chaos. Right? Yeah. And I and I remembered that life and I remembered that society and everything just functioned because everyone lived from their heart and that that yeah. energy of their soul. Right. And so the, there was zero I would say crime or even a thought that this person might do something against you. And therefore you have to have these judicial system behind you in order right. to make sure that if they do, here's the consequences. So this person doesn't do this to you. Right. And so you and I spent three days quite literally almost divorced over it. Because I remember Aiden saying, you guys are complete idiots. Do you remember he said that to us? I don't. He said that because we were fighting for three days and we were not talking to each other. I don't remember and being I say, that long. Oh, yeah. I remember it happening. I don't it remember being so three long. days. It was so long. And at the end, I told you that I'm like, I cannot be married to someone. I remember you said that. I, I, and I truly felt that I cannot be married to someone who feels like, who does not feel this or doesn't see this. Right. Or feel or disagrees with me. At the time, you looked at it as disagrees with me and you thought I was a fool. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, at the time, I was like, but look at the world. Yeah. This doesn't match with anything anywhere in the world throughout any of history yeah. that, I, that I can see. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, yeah, maybe small pockets of people can live, live together in, in peace and harmony. But eventually, someone's going to do something that, that someone else doesn't like. And so you need, you need some arbitrator to decide who's right and wrong and and you know and i was i was looking at it from this very practical like how will this fit how can I, how can we apply this to earth 2021 or whatever it was it was before covid oh earth in 2019 whatever whenever it was yeah i was like how can we how can i how could we apply that and i just didn't see a way to apply it and now it's it, now it's like yeah, if let's see, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this: if everyone's doing the amount of murdering and raping that they want to do, and that amount is zero, 
do we need murdering and raping laws on the books? Yeah. But go into a portion of your being that is connected to that essence of universal you. Yeah. Now, now I can see it. I can completely see it. And it makes perfect sense. And it's like... So I, I don't know if this was Atlantean society or if this is like Pleiadian society. I don't know where this memory is coming from. But I very distinctly remember living in society where... You know, it is it is incomprehensible to say that right now, where everyone is living from the essence of their soul, from the essence of their heart. And so the the notion, like the even the idea of being wronged by someone is incomprehensible because the one reflects the whole. Yeah. Yeah. Um I, I don't remember if it was last episode. I was saying how, you know, oh, imagine that we find Oh, there's Martian, last episode, yeah. there's there's Martians and uh, mm -hmm. you know, but and how it's like you it, to me it's it sounds bonkers the idea that oh well the North Martians don't like the South Martians and the 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 Green Martians don't like the Blue Martians in the same way as the um, I don't know Americans don't like the Chinese or the blacks and the whites don't get along whatever you know it's like well obviously Mars would just be a united happy place it also seems like do you think there are jails on Mars? Probably not. Do you think there are like rules and Martian police who are out, you know, on the beat, <laughs> you know, patrolling the street looking for, you know, people snorting Mars Coke or whatever, <laughs> whatever they have? I mean, it, probably not. The it, question it just seems is, like it would, the society would just work. I know. I, but I think it depends on what is the vibrational frequency of the society that you're talking about. In our three-dimensional space right now, the way we have been interpreting Earth or life, that dualistic split yeah. causes murder or not murder. Right. I mean, in, in the way that it's portrayed in movies, if you look at, you know, any sort of Star Wars type thing, you know, all these planets are all either in chaos or under the under the thumb of the empire or or whatever. So they're if they're all nice. And orderly, it's because they're super, you know, restricted by the whatever the government happens to be. Or if they're in chaos, it's because there's no there's no government and it's just turned into the the Wild West. Was there never a, a Star Wars society or planet that was just in peace and harmony through their heart center? I don't know. Oh. Maybe. Maybe the whole the whole point of Star Wars is just conflict of duality. Maybe. And various versions thereof. Maybe. I don't know. Um, in Avatar, right? The first Avatar, the, the, how we how they represented the that, society, that, that's or even the second Avatar, right? The, how they represented the society was that you were at peace within your environment, and you're one with your environment. In fact, you're one with each other, right? And their tree, I say that now. I realize, like, I'm the tree that I'm talking about is possibly the tree, right? The tree, the sacred tree of knowledge that they had was that you are one with the essence and the tree was the essence right now there's of course details and and the tales yeah. and all that stuff yeah but what i'm talking about that that essence of truth if you live from that essence of truth now i don't know if three-dimensional vibrational frequency that we interpret right now can be there and i know we're shifting frequency right now so i don't know where we're going but but you know i do remember society where that chaos was never was never were um 
because the it would be incomprehensible to live in that frequency. If it would be incomprehensible right. to live with that concept. Right. I guess that's how that's how I picture an an extraterrestrial race. Is, yeah, is, is more like not that. all of them are that way. Probably not all of them. I'm sure there's some that are yeah, no, more what, violent whatever, and, you know, but whatever I remembered. And it to me at the time, let's say it was twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen, it came in so fast and so real and it just defined my truth that I I mean I I got upset at you for not even you know what what I got upset about is for you not even considering a possibility because then you and I spent three days arguing details of what that would be because you would like bring up a scenario like well what if this guy did this I'm like but he wouldn't do that because that would be not the essence. Yeah. I mean, you could not. No, I couldn't, you couldn't I, connect. I, I couldn't fathom that. Yeah, I'm like, I couldn't separate from my 3D experience on Earth. Of there just are people like that. Yeah, and that sucks. And now, well, because there are people like that, now we need laws and police and militaries and jails and and the IRS and you know, you name it. We got to have all this all this stuff. In order to deal with the the really, it's a handful of people. It's a diminishingly small percentage of people that are the troublemakers that screw it all up for the rest of us. Yeah. Well, I mean, by troublemakers, in which sense, right? Like what you know. Right. I mean, yes, there's the murders and the rapists, but then it's like, well, you know, we have a contract, and I think it says this, and you think it says that. You know, at yeah. at, at some level. No, I, I think I delivered my service and you're unhappy with the service. So you think I, well, okay. Yeah, no, most no. of the most of our life is based on those type of occurrences and interaction, right? All the systems we have in place are there to support that. You know, we, we drove by um we drove by that hospital construction yesterday, right? Oh yeah, off of uh off of forty two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was thinking, you know, and we were talking about how pretty the lights were at night. And I was thinking, you know, to all extent, you could look at it as progress. Like, look at progress. That's the thing. Is and that I was everybody thinking, thinks this is progress. Right. And I was thinking, oh, this would be the most rudimentary definition of what I'm seeing right here off of, off of you know, this was used to be an empty land and now it's being developed into this fancy new hospital. And here's, it's going to have lights and it's going to have a parking lot and it's going to have these advanced technology. And by no means, on the surface level, you would not see that as progress. I was, I was thinking the same thing. This is, this is like textbook progress. Mm -hmm. Look, we've taken land and we've made it into something that will help people get better, get healthy. Yeah. Quote. Right. And so without awareness, that would be it. Right. Right. You and I, 20 years ago, would look at that and go, oh, look, that's what progress looks like. Right. Do you not want a new, nice new hospital mm -hmm. here? What's wrong with you? Yeah. No, but right, right. You, I, 20 years ago, I would look at it and I would say this is progress. Yeah. Right. Now, and now. I don't know how much of this is, is being cynical though. <laughs> oh, you think this is cynicism? I think a little bit of it might be cynicism, but go ahead. Why, why cynicism? In, in as much, you, you, you go ahead and then I'll synthesize it at the end. It just depends what I'm going to say. And so parts of it are going to be cynical or not, right? Yeah. 
at the core, right, I believe that all of our disease comes from us inserting static onto that prime frequency of us. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and I'm not the only person, like, this is not revolutionary speaking here. Most of the healers and even modern day doctors who are open-minded recognize that all disease and sickness and illness stems from you basically your natural immune system not being able to fight off, I say fight off, but not being able to remedy whatever the new thing comes in and and then your immune system is off balance and then thus, you know, we get sick, we get inflammation, we get cancer, we get you name it, right? Yeah. Like you can name a slew of things. But your body is naturally harmonized to take care of all of it from birth, right? Why right. are we with, why do most of the kids do not develop cancers because yeah because the body is just still still in that balance and harmony right but as we get older and more trauma gets inserted upon us then that harmony loses its perspective and then our body naturally cannot fight off anything our immune system is just broken then yeah. you name it one yeah. thing leads to the other leads to another two to another and then we're just killing ourselves right so i don't think it's cynicism but all of us within ourselves hold the key to our health. And again, I will go back to to that that memory that I still have and, and then I live by kind of within, that memory of there is no such thing as sickness because sickness is brought in by disharmony, by this static that is imposing onto the wavelength of total perfection and health. Right. I mean, just look at Joe Dispenza's story. It's like that doesn't it doesn't make sense to modern medical science. Yeah, but there's that, thousands that someone, of those stories. You know, there's thousands of these stories. It's yeah. it's like some, you know, there's the placebo effect, which shows that through belief and or willpower, but maybe just belief. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. The human body can fix things that would be considered unfixable to modern Western medicine. Yeah. You know, yeah. diseases, cancers, you know, there have been stories of people growing back, you know, severed limbs. It's like, wait, what? That's, that sounds crazy, but that actually happens. Yeah. And so, if that is possible, you know, and, and what, how does that work? The way Dis Dispenza says is that, you know, oh, you need, you know, I don't know, placebo troll in order to, to cure your, whatever, that your brain may literally create that chemical inside of you. Maybe that's how it works. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's something, I have no idea how, it, how that works. But I do know that it does work. My cynicism is, is the, uh, the whole medical industrial complex of, of how it's, it, all, it all just makes more money. It's all designed to just make more money at the expense of the population. Well, I mean, one medical complex is a profit center, right? And and then most of doctors who are ethical and and are indeed are there for the purpose of fixing yes, people yes. admit that the only thing that the medical complex does is treat symptoms. Right, right, right. Here's a symptom. We don't know the underlying cause of it, but guess what? We'll we'll zap it with radiation or go through chemotherapy and hopefully that will kill 
this disease faster than it kills you. And, yeah. and that's it. That's right. that's our solution to cancer. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a whole lot of other, you know, if I get, you know, have a broken arm or if I get, you know, shot or something, I would like to have a hospital to go to. Oh, no, I'm not for, saying for we a, shouldn't acute, have hospitals. Acute type things. But most of the yes. time, Chron what the hospital is trying to address is, is not chronic, like... Chronic things, especially in America. Heart disease, diabetes. Heart disease, diabetes, uh, cancer too, I think, are... Um, there's, there's a cycle. Or it's just that that, it's that just, feeds itself. It's an imbalanced system. I, I mean, there's a there's a business cycle that feeds oh, itself. Yes, yes. And so that's yeah. what I mean by the, the cynical. Part but of the it. reason why you need so many of them is because we're inventing more and more we're medicines. Adding, we're adding another mega hospital every year or two. Yeah, in, this town. in order to, you, you know, we're creating the medicine in order to mitigate the symptom. But then we need more medicine to mitigate those side effects. Yeah. And so everyone's perpetually on, I don't know, five, six pills per day. Every every time, you know, we, we have to fill out some form and they're like, what medicine? What medicine do you take? I'm like, I don't take any medicine. They're like, really? Everyone's surprised that, that... Yeah, anytime you fill that question out and we say none, people are in shock. Right. When when I went to the hospital with my grandma, like, like granted, she's in her 80s, but, but it was in the 80s back then. Wait, maybe, yeah. It was the nineties. Wait, I don't know what it is old. But the list of medications she was taking, um, it was like seven different ones, two times a day. And half of half of them are to to undo the side effects of the previous one. Yeah, and my, oh, the heart. There's a heart yeah. problem, so you take this. Oh, but that causes blood pressure, so you got to take that. Oh, but that causes gastrointestinal issues, so we got to take that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I think we're very fortunate to where our... That's true. You know, we have never... I have never had prescription medicine that I had to take. Period. Oh, really? I mean, I've had... It was antibiotic, just antibiotics is what I've had to take. No, I mean, yeah. Like, I would go to the... When I went to the doctor and they... I had something, they would prescribe it. But, you know, my, my take on med medicine in general. Yeah. Um, So... If it was something serious, I might take one or two, but then I would very quickly go, yeah, no, that's enough. No, I used to take Advil back in the olden days. Like if I were to have, to have a headache, I would reserve to Advil. It has to be um, bad for me to... Yeah, not out. anymore. Like I, we were having, we're still having some allergy side effects just from the trip. And I did take one uh, yeah. allergy pill. And the only thing that it did do was soften my mucus as disgusting as that sounds. <laughs> But, but you know, I think I was thinking, okay, well, it maybe just progressed into a, a faster recovery from. But I don't, you know, still a week into it, and I'm still struggling with it. Yeah, I don't know, right? So, so cynical, yes, in the sense that so hospitals are profit centers, and so, right? But whenever you go to the hospital, at least for me, I remember. Like anytime I go, there's that helpless feeling that this is actually not anything that is going to solve anything. Right. Uh, and you're at the mercy of the system that is within itself is completely broken. Right. Even though it's filled with people, well-intending people who got probably got into medicine in order to help people. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm not saying it's people's fault. I'm saying it's, it's, the system. it's just the wrong yeah. approach to help. It is the wrong approach to, to mm -hmm. a net solution, right? Right. How many I mean, people go into the hospital and die during surgeries? Right. Or from infections. a lot. 
Um, but I mean, as is, as is evidenced by how much money the, the, the United States spends on healthcare versus how effective it is compared to any European country. Yeah. It turns out they, they spend a fraction of it, and yet they live longer and healthier. Yeah, but with the system, United States system, that was shocking to me when we moved here. Is how much everybody goes to the doctor here. Yeah, I it was, was a I, shock. Growing up, I went to the doctor all the time. I went for regular checkups. I went for I went for allergy shots. I went for this. I went for that. It was just how many times a year? Six, seven, maybe. Wow. It was just it was all the time. Yeah. I it, we have I have not been to the doctor in years. I think I had a uh, went to a dermatologist a couple of years ago. Yeah, because yeah, we're having an allergic reaction to something. Yeah, yeah, but no, I the, I think I went to my OBGYN like three four years ago, and she told me I was premenopausal and have not been back since. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. I'm not going back. I'm like, wait, what the fuck is that supposed to mean? <laughs> back then, I wasn't even forty. I'm like, I'm premenopausal in my thirties, and then that just. Did not rub well with me, so I just stopped going. <laughs> and then I guess we just watched the one to Sykes comedy special, and she was talking about menopause. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I guess I, I still don't know what's in, in store for me. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's better you don't know. <laughs> it, no, I think it is better that you don't know. I think I think knowledge, right? Like the like, oh, is is placebo troll right for you? Ask your doctor, right? Yeah. And like the symptoms are just like, oh, occasional. Ha- Remember when we went to Venice Beach? When was it? In this the was uh, early get, 2000s? Yeah. So this is before California had fully legalized recreational marijuana, but it was it was legal for medicinal purposes. Mm-hmm. We're walking down um, Venice, Venice Beach, Beach yeah. and there's a doctor's office right here, right next to a medical marijuana dispensary, literally next door. It's the same mm-hmm. building, just separated by, yeah. a, by a wall. And outside is one of those little A-frame uh, um, billboards. It's like, do you have any of the following systems? Sleep too much? Can't can't fall asleep? Have headaches? Uh, your your eyes hurt? You know, it's it's like they're almost uh, some of them are contradictory. You know, <laughs> and you have any of these medical marijuana might be right might be right for you. Come in and have Doctor uh, Doctor Smith give you an examination. What was interesting is the doctor had a separate door. Then the dispensary, meaning like the doctor is its own entity and it's right here and does the prescriptions. Yeah. You would get the prescription here. That's probably you would leave. that's probably legally required that you yeah. know, the, the, yeah. the doctor and the dispensary can't be the same thing. They probably can't yeah, yeah. even be owned by the same thing. But. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, in the long run, it's the same group of people right, yeah. working together. You know, to me You could be in and out to your to your doctor and get your get your your weed probably within ten minutes. Yeah. Doctor, my uh <laughs> I've got this. Uh, oh, you know what's good for that? Yeah, and to us that was fascinating back then because we didn't have much open format experience with marijuana. Yeah, like right right now, twenty twenty three. You're like, yeah. okay, that's just it's still completely legal in in Kentucky where we are. But is it legal? I thought it was yeah. medically legal. They're talking about making it legal for medical. I thought reasons. they did because I thought Bashir was signing some sort of executive order to make it legal. Oh, you know what? He was signing executive order for people. To bring it in out of state, somehow something without Maybe. a state. Like, if you got a prescription there, out of there state, there are some neighboring states that where it is legal. Oh, I mean, I think Indiana and Ohio and Illinois are legal, which Maybe. is just the top of Kentucky. Yeah, was it was it Georgia or was it Florida that it was legal in? Because we saw some. I don't remember. Well, 
both of the states were in, we smelled it everywhere. Yeah. Uh, but I don't remember which one they're illegal in. It's silly to keep it illegal, you know, because the, the truth is, you know, then this is just a political question, but our state, the Kentucky state has been making money off of it, you know, under the table for years. Yeah. Like the, the drug trade, especially, I mean, I think it's hardcore drugs in Kentucky just because we are on that intersection of the three interstates. And the rumors were like Kentucky is like this distribution hub for all kinds of drugs. Yeah. I've known that for years. I mean, if if you look at how many people, how many violent crimes happen on alcohol, it's like a bar fight. That's that's a whole that's a whole trope. Bar fights. You don't you don't hear about people who are high getting into fights. Yeah. So it's if the goal is to save lives and reduce violence, allowing. Free rain and alcohol and and not marijuana doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, no, I think alcohol is a lot more dangerous than I marijuana. do too. I do. Yeah. Just Yeah, I think tobacco is more dangerous too. For health purposes. For health purposes, yeah, but I'm talking about as far as safety of the community. Yeah. The drunk driving and 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 yeah. and the dangers of just alcoholics beating up people. There's more is more Cynicism and conspiracy theories there, but you know, big tobacco, big alcohol. I mean, Louisville, Kentucky is a very big alcohol producing state and tobacco producing state. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, oh, if if we let if we let marijuana come into the mix, are either of those going to take a financial hit? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the truth is, it's already on the market. Yeah, if you wanted to get it, I'm sure you can get it. Oh, I mean, you can drive across the border and get it, or if you know some dude. I mean, like, there's people here selling it all the time. Like, I mean, we hear of like, oh, that smoke store that, that that's supposed to sell cigarettes and vapes. Oh, yeah. You're like, that, that, that. Guess what? If you know the word. right guy, you know, say the magic word and you're buying weed there. So it's like the yeah. stores themselves are we, already set up we, and are already selling weed we used, this under was, the table. This was 15 years ago. We had a neighbor who had a kid. Yeah. Who was at a, at a private was school. At a private school. And everybody just knew that he was the drug dealer. At this school. Yeah. And he's what, 16 or something? He, yeah. he he could drive. He was smart. He was smart. Yeah. That man probably went far. And he he would buy a new truck. He would wreck a truck. He would buy a brand new pickup truck, like a nice pickup truck, like nicer cars than we had at yeah, that time. like that current model year. Yeah. He would wreck it because, you know, he's a kid and get a new truck with, oh. with weed money. Yeah. Cash. Yeah. And it was, this was a private Catholic school in town. And everybody knew he was the drug dealer. And he was like at the top of the chain somehow. I'm assuming he had distributors and whatnot. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is, I mean, look, look at this. I'm in the wrong business. No, I was, I was just thinking, <laughs> think of like entrepreneurial right. skill set that that's required right. to be a successful drug dealer at age of 16. Right. Yeah. I was impressed. Yeah. When, when, when people think of that he's in the grass industry they think he's bowing lawns instead of selling it <laughs> yeah no but but that's the case with, i think that's the case with all of the states who do not have it legalized it's just it's just rampant not even all that far deep into into the digging you don't have to dig deep in order to find it and so wh- why not make sales tax off of it right right like why not legalize it release all the people in prison who are rolling in prison for minor possession i don't know if kentucky does that or not but but right but that's that's just silly 
Um, I mean, yes. I mean, I guess if it's illegal and then there's this mass distribution, but I would hope that people would start prosecuting the larger, like the fentanyl rings and the, you know, the hard drugs more yeah. so. Yeah. If you are going to prosecute, I, guess, yeah. I think that's a bigger I mean, fish to, to catch there. I guess fundamentally, I don't think any of it should be illegal. But, yeah. But if you're, if you're going to make something illegal, the stuff that really destroys lives seems like it should be at the top of the list instead of the stuff that doesn't seem to destroy lives. Yeah. Or, or the, or there's the, the, the fact that Kentucky is like primed for um, sex trafficking. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. And apparently that's just known. Like, oh, guess what? Derby comes in, sex trafficking is rampant here. There's all these houses that are stuck up on, you know, I mean, this is, this is like, to me, there's just stomach turning atrocity. Yeah. Um, that's that's crazy. That's just this like apparently this this little secret about the town. Yeah, and then the horse industry promotes that, right? Or or, or what the horse industry brings thing with it. People come in to party, come April and May, and then you know you need to stock up the the sex trafficking houses for for this type of a. And that's you know, and the police knows. I mean, I know we're getting into all kinds of conspiracy theories right. here. It's difficult to live in that town that that has this energy yeah. in it. And I spend a lot of time working on on counter, n- not fighting it, but just flooding it with the opposite frequency, right? The, the, the undoing the static that it brings in, um, which I think is effective. But, you know, that that's just my own personal take on it. So, yeah, I don't know. We've been going on for a while, but awareness. Awareness. Yeah. And maybe good New Year's, like somebody said that, you know, at the end of at the end of the year into the new year, like evaluate what is it that you hold within you as your truth mm-hmm. and why and does it still fit? And that part of the awareness is just that. Like, yeah. This I is- mean, to, to tie Zoroastrianism back into it, you know, the the good thoughts good words, good deeds. It's like if, if you have good thoughts and you're aware of your good thoughts, those will drive good good words. And if you're aware of those, those that will drive good good actions. So it is awareness. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, that's even more advanced, right? Because it's very difficult to take a grasp of your thought and realize what is it that you're vibrating and then take a grasp of the language that you're speaking. And then what that brings yeah. into your life. I mean, that's probably pretty advanced. I mean, that that's what Zoranastrum was trying to go after. Yeah. What you speak and what you think is the vibrational essence of you. And then unbeknownst to self, that's the reality that you bring forth into this yeah. world. Yeah. That's the static that you add on on top. And the question is, what is that static? And that, you know, it's difficult. Like, especially if you're triggered, it is hard to step back and add that perspective in. So maybe into the new year that, I don't know, I don't like making New Year's resolutions, but that's the thing to consider is just bringing awareness. Yeah. Without pressure. Like not not because it's like, oh, I got to do this. Yeah. And it's like, it's not a uh, win or lose, succeed or fail type of thing. It's yeah. a just, Intention. just keep, just keep trying. Yeah. Just that's keep my, swimming. Just keep swimming. No, I mean, that's my goal is just to. How much more awareness can I bring into 
my own thoughts. Yeah. Not not because that's the right thing to do, just because that's where awareness is, right? If I'm adding static, adding static in, what can I do to become aware of that static? Yeah. So, yeah. Got distracted a lot, but yeah. thanks All for listening. <laughs> thanks. See ya. <laughs>